Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. How healthy is LeBron going to be when he comes back? Maybe not that healthy. How rich is Austin Reeves going to make himself this offseason? Very, very rich. We'll explain both next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free. It's never behind a paywall. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and uh, participate in Lakers conversations, Lakers uh, discussions with about 14,000 subscribers to that channel, which we really appreciate. Again, Locked On Lakers on YouTube is a great way to access the program. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Anthony Davis. We're going to talk a lot of Austin Reeves on this show, uh, given what he did on Sunday to at least temporarily save the Lakers season. But uh, Andy, let's start with a little bit of housekeeping from uh, Chris Haynes regarding LeBron James, noting that uh, the Lakers are still pushing for LeBron, believe he'll be back. Darwin said that the, uh, on Sunday that they expect him to play in the regular season uh, before any play-in or playoff game uh, would take place. Um, but Haynes did mention that uh, there is some question as to how healthy LeBron would actually be. He certainly wouldn't be 100%. Your thought? No, I, I, I can't imagine that anybody was necessarily expecting that, but uh, part of this quote from Haynes, so that means that even when he does come back in regards to when that actually is between now and the end of the regular season, he might not be fully healthy, but they are just trying to buy him some time. With that being said, I don't know how realistic it is that he returns with some games left in the regular season. That is definitely the goal. LeBron James is shooting for that. I just don't know how realistic it is Right now, can LeBron come back the final two games of the season? I think it's definitely a possibility, but I think it's premature as of right now. Uh, Michael Corver, uh, Lakers, uh, Lakers reporter for Clutch Points, he actually tweeted out a quote from Dave McMenamin um, saying that he overheard LeBron telling an arena worker that he would be back for the playoffs for sure as he walked out of the arena. So, it seems like the timeline all this, which I think everybody at this point acknowledges, other than you know the, the most optimistic version of this that we heard from Darvin Ham, which is that there's an expectation he will be back for the regular season at some point. We don't know exactly when that is, Brian, but I don't think anybody can expect anything other than less than 100% LeBron James. I, I, and I don't know what rational person necessarily thought he would be at a hundred percent when he came back. Like I, I don't think that was anybody's real expectation. I mean, the good news is even the game he got hurt, like the last one he played, um, you know, obviously there's defensive stuff. It, it all matters, but in terms of being able to be effective, um, this is where LeBron's ability to control things really from anywhere on the floor to, play physically dominant basketball down in on the block near the post, use the footwork and all that kind of stuff. Maybe he's not flying up and down. Maybe you have to protect him a little more defensively. Like if he is, you know, 80% of LeBron James, 
you do. I, I, I wouldn't say it's like it's a hundred percent of ever. No, there are things that you lose out when LeBron can't play and like he's not as effective a player. But the parts of of LeBron's game that can be transformative for a team aren't necessarily dependent fully on his mobility. He can he can orchestrate from anywhere at any speed. I think he, he can, but you know it's it's important to remember that. The last time we saw LeBron in the playoffs, the 2021 first round against the Suns, he had been coming back from an injury, and LeBron did not play up to his standards. No, you're right. He, had, he he you could see that he was physically laboring. His overall percentage from the field was the lowest that it had been for the playoffs in several years. Um, going back to 2015, those finals, and that was the one that, or at least. Some of the, I imagine that the percentages were brought down, I should say, by the finals, because by the time those rolled around, there was no Kyrie, there was no Kevin Love, and it was basically LeBron, Tristan Thompson, and Matthew Della Vadova. So LeBron was seeing like quintuple. <laughs> not, teams. not the biggest of threes. <laughs> right. And you know, LeBron, LeBron very understandably struggled during that period where the Cavaliers just had to lean into ugly defensive defensive bells to play with those Warriors. And all things considered, did pretty admirable work mm -hmm. under those conditions. But Le LeBron did not look like, you know, playoff LeBron. You know, th there's there's always been this expectation. We keep hearing about it with this team that as long as the Lakers get into the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous and LeBron can turn it on. And the, while I do think nobody's going to want to see LeBron in the playoffs just because there's a psychological there's a psychological factor that just comes with LeBron because he's done everything and he's really damn good. The truth is though, we have not seen an extended playoff run from LeBron James for now going on 2020. Yeah, but we I, don't, I think we don't know what it looks like much less I, this right. version of LeBron coming back from injury. We just I don't. think I think I think that's true for thinking about I you know, it's it's really two. There are two things we're talking about here when we when we talk about, you know, first of all, the Lakers got to get themselves back in the top ten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and Utah won on um, Monday, and Minnesota won on Monday. Golden State won on Monday. The only team that did the Lakers any favors was Dallas. They lost in Memphis. Um, so you know, the standings got a little tougher. Um, Lakers cannot expect teams to play ball every night. <laughs> like at some point, some of these other teams are going to try, we're going to win a game. Um, but I think we're talking about two things. It's like, can LeBron be the person who leads the Lakers through like this extended play? I don't know. Can you get LeBron back before the playoffs start? Seems like a possibility. And does LeBron put getting back in the lineup very likely make the Lakers significantly better? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, is is the version of LeBron they're going to get good enough to kind of pull off the miracle scenario that nobody quite wants to discount based on some of the games they've won, some of the potential of LeBron and AD and whatever? I, I doubt it, but I'll take the I'll take the first thing. Can he be effective enough to get the Lakers through two play in games if that's what's required? And this is a, and this is not the kind of injury you know you injure your shoulder. You can run. You can do like this. Is it's a foot injury? Lamar Odom played. Lamar Odom played a playoff series with a torn labrum.
in 2007. So, I mean, you're, you're correct in saying shoulder is more physically uncomfortable and painful and a little bit more limiting, but there are still some things you can do. You start yeah. getting the lower extremities. It's hard, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not sure it's more, I mean, there's nothing more uncomfortable than a bad foot injury, but like you certainly, you know, you did, you know, you can't run, you can't condition your, you know, you, there's no you amount plant of your foot, right? There's no amount of elliptical work or pool work you can do to maintain NBA level fitness, even when you are starting at the fitness level of LeBron. Um, speaking of fitness and games and availability and all that kind of stuff, uh, Haynes also reported that um, Anthony Davis is going to play in the final season, back to back of the season when the Lakers play the Jazz and the Clippers, I believe, is at the beginning of April. So that answer, that puts that question to bed. The Lakers are still, I guess, reportedly working out Tristan Thompson and um, Tony Bradley. I'm wondering where those guys were the other day. <laughs> I mean, like, there's, did you not get a hold of Tristan Thompson for the game in Houston? Um, but, you know, will they sign one of them? Maybe, maybe not. It would make kind of perfect sense in like sort of the pre-trade deadline uh, thoughts of people had about the Lakers to not have the center for the the game you know AD is going to be out. Tell everyone he's going to play in the back-to-back -back that you have left and then sign a center that doesn't play. But we'll see what they should they should pick somebody up anyway to have another tall person around. They yeah. should do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's not the most important consideration of AD. Um, how much these games will matter when LeBron comes back, if LeBron comes back, is dependent on, in a lot of ways, how Anthony Davis plays. And uh, there is still just an enormous amount of conversation about the consistency of his play, what might be holding him back, what might be holding the Lakers back. And Andy, you had an interesting observation based on one of our talking points from yesterday's show, so we'll get to it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and we are down the stretch of the NBA season, and that makes us the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, a grand in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, really easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, or get saucy with an exclusive bet like the two-by-three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Interesting line as of this recording for Tuesday. Kings getting three and a half points at home versus Boston. Sacto is one of the hottest teams in the league. And the Celtics, one of the best road teams. What has to give? Do not miss out on the chance on your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba anthony davis you made an interesting observation right? we talked a lot on monday's show about how the extra pressure that davis has received particularly since the toronto game um nick nurse just threw a bunch of humans at him and you know it, it it worked very well in limiting AD. The rest of the Lakers did a good job in that game to win it. Um, but that's been kind of the MO for teams since then. Like you've just seen a lot more attention, even more than you would normally see when like LeBron is out. And they haven't adjusted well. 
But you actually made an interesting observation about that. Find some found some good data about the double team thing. And all of it just gets to this sort of lingering frustration. Is that the right word? Disappointment? Is that the right word with, with frustration, AD? disappointment? Um, I mean, and it's it's all relative because AD is still a really great player. Mm-hmm. And you know, he is if LeBron is available and healthy, and I guess maybe six years younger, like AD in certain respects would be perfect. And some of this has to do with obviously AD's own injury concerns, but there's also the idea that AD was supposed to be the guy at this point that had received the proverbial torch from LeBron and really be the guy that was the engine of the proverbial car. And before getting into the thought I had, I wanted to read a comment from the YouTube section from TK from Monday's show. He's saying, and this was in regard to our discussion about the double teams, maybe even triple teams that uh, AD was facing, what the Lakers should do about it. He said, so we don't want AD on the low block. We don't want him on the elbow. And we don't want him to have to think. Basically, we want him catching lobs and spoon-fed layups. Sounds like a rich man's Nick Claxton to me. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, just acknowledging. But honestly, I don't think it's the double-slash-triple-team coverage. AD has been seeing doubles for years now. It's about him being assertive. He had bad stretches last season, too, followed by dominant 30-point games. He gets double-teamed in those 30-point games, too. The difference is he plays piss-slash-motivated and, as such, dominates. I think the bottom line is AD is just inconsistently great. While Embiid, Jokic, sometimes even Demontis Sabonis are more consistent. And I was thinking about what TK said, and I and because you know I think I had registered more dissatisfaction or frustration with AD's inability to handle those looks than you had talking about it. And like obviously the ultimate goal is everyone to carry their weight and the supporting cast makes opponents pay for doubling and tripling AD because when they hit their shots, it opens up more of the floor for AD and makes life easier. But, you know, as we also discussed too, it's the functional limitations without having LeBron because it makes adjustments harder to do. But at the same time, A, as we discussed, Sunday versus Orlando when AD could not figure out how to dominate offensively, that was a night where guys were hitting their outside shots and it still didn't happen. But also, too, and, and I think TK really got me thinking about this. It dawned on me, Brian, just how little we actually hear ourselves say they were throwing doubles or third guy at AD, and it just didn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. he, it just didn't matter. There was nothing they could do with him. And I'm not saying that AD should be able to do that every single game because even the best superstars will have trouble with that. But – it would be nice to just be able to say more often they threw the kitchen sink at AD and it just didn't yeah. matter. I, it would be really reassuring, especially now. Now to, he- I, to hear us I, I say think, that more. I think TK's there's actually a, a ton in TK's comment that I agree with. Um, I think the problem really is kind of it's it's threefold. It's the Lakers aren't doing a good job um, schematically to find ways to make to 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 loosen things up to make it harder for defenses to defend Davis um, I think you know and you look at you know Trevor Lane from uh, our friend from Lakers Nation put out some really interesting numbers just about the Lakers 
since the the trade deadline. And you know, they have been a great defensive team. That's something we we've we've talked about a lot. Number one in defensive rating, they're twenty second in offensive rating, and obviously a lot of those games coming without LeBron. Um, a couple of them, I think, coming out with AD too. Um, but they're also not generating turnovers. Um, and so they're not creating a lot of opportunities that way for like easy offense, getting out on the break. These are places obviously where AD thrives. And, you know, so I think that's an issue um, that they've got some scheme problems. I think the you know, the, the on-court chemistry with AD and some of the new guys isn't yet great, um, particularly with like the pick and roll with Russell. So there's little stuff like that. And then I think absolutely agree with TK, agree with you that a chunk of this belongs to Davis himself um, because he sort of does seem stuck between, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? I mean, you know, there's, it's just like, you know, when we make the POW comparisons yeah, that he gets limited by what he thinks he's supposed to do rather than just bleep it. I, I don't care. Like I'm going to take the next four possessions and bull through whatever anybody puts in front of me. We'll see what happens. You don't see that. Um, no, but I, you know, all of this stuff is related to each other. Um, but then that's why I expected a better game in the Orlando game because like he 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 usually responds to that mental thing after something really disappointing. It happened you know a week ago, whatever, with the New Orleans game. And it didn't happen in, against Orlando. I thought he was okay defensively early, and it got better as really yeah. very good in the second half. Um, but offensively, he is in. I think that you know he is inconsistent with his greatness. You know, as TK was saying, in ways that separate him from other great players in the league. The other thing that was interesting too is because you and I had a, a lot of discussion about. All those, you know, double teams, even occasional triple teams that AD was has been facing, and TK's comment: How often is AD actually getting double teamed? And I landed on something from NBA NBA.com: the top twenty players double teamed this season, like the average amount of possessions double teamed, and it only goes to the top twenty. And I don't know if I if I could find a way to manipulate it or something for like the last. 10 games, five games where AD would rank, but he's not in the top 20 for, for players right. this season, double teamed. Like the list really quick is Luca Harden, Giannis, Shea, Brunson, Ja, Embiid, Dame, LeBron, Booker, Randall, Van Vliet, Trey Young, Kevin Porter Jr., Kyrie, Siakam, De'Aaron Fox, Garland, Anthony Edwards, Kawhi. That's your top 20. And I realize there can be context to all sorts of stuff. You know, there there are more right. guards. I, 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 it's like how are they there? calculating a double team this time? But point is, he's not in the top twenty of this. No. Like, no. When you see something like that, you know, and look, if say AD happens to be, and I have no idea, twenty one, <laughs> that could mean he's still seeing a decent amount of doubles. But on over the course of the year, he is not one of the most doubled players in the league. And yet we're still thinking about how does AD get himself going regularly in a way that feels more dependable, like you would look for from a superstar. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I, I, I think that all of this is, is relevant again. Like a, a lot of it points to 
AD himself. And, but it's, it's also like, you know, and then it like, look last, like on Sunday, I, I saw a lot of comments, you know, he wasn't engaged. He wasn't, I don't think that was true. I, I think he was, he was, and they were trying to figure out ways to, to like get going. And like AD was dropping, you know, you know, rolling hard. He was doing it to me, to my eye. And the, but the, you know, there were what five turnovers in the first half that I think we're just trying to tight, you know, tight quarters, get, you know, force feed these passes to AD down the lane. And they just didn't work. And it, the, the, the scheme needs to change. They're, the fans that stick up for him are also correct when they say that we are putting an enormous amount on AD and expecting him to sort of overcome a lot of like real yeah. legitimate and structural things. And they and are he, correct too. Yeah. On top of being not 100%, I promise you, AD is not 100% with his health right now and that foot. And it wouldn't shock, you know, this is not based on any knowledge. It wouldn't shock me at all if he ended up having a procedure this offseason. Like, he's, this is a lot on AD's plate. They need it. They just mm -hmm. do. Um, you can't, they can't, and more than that, they need a higher floor. It's not so much that the ceiling from AD needs to be 37, you know, and he's got, you know, 40 points a night for the, you know, for three weeks in a row. It's what you can't have are these games like Houston, like, um, you know, the New York game, like we're just, or, or like it was in Orlando where the, the floor for a, an ordinary AD game isn't high enough. One guy, Andy, who's not having a lot of clunkers. <laughs> Simple, easy transition. Austin Reeves. Um, he is going to be rich this summer. How rich and where is the money going to come from? That's next. Um, so the Lakers can offer Austin Reeves a maximum themselves of four years and $50 million. That is the rule for a guy coming off the contract, the kind of contract that Reeves has uh, this year. Um, that's the most they can offer. That's the most they can offer. The we'll get to right. That's not the most right. he can get paid by the Lakers, but it's the most the Lakers can offer. First question I have: Austin Reeves has established himself as a guy who will earn on the market more than fifty for four. Would you agree? Probably. If, if I probably, if, or if not, he is. Real close, like yes, that. I would. I can't say with absolute certainty that I think Austin Reeves is getting thirteen, fourteen million dollars a year next season. But I absolutely don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. That's for sure. Um, I think he has outplayed that number. Um, what is that? Twelve and a half a year, basically on average. Um, Four and fifty. Yeah. Uh, I was told there would be no math. So, you know, you look at him, he's a second-year player. He's not a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old. He's 24. Um, I guess that does limit a tiny bit, like what people think his, his curve up could be. Um, the good news for the Lakers is that they are allowed to turn him in by, you know, with a qualifying offer and all that stuff, can turn him into a restricted free agent. And other teams can offer him more with that sort of poison pill thing. He can, 
His first two years, as I understand, are basically set in stone if they kind of max him out, um, no matter the team. But then they can another team could do that thing where they in the third year they jump his salary up to twenty two million, and in the fourth year they jump it up to twenty five million or something like that. Um, to where the Lakers to keep Reeves would have to pay, you know, say four years in total and sixty five, four right. years and seventy. I, I, how, how, how expensive do you think Reeves would have to get before they let him go? I think you start getting into 65 to 70. I think that starts becoming, depending on who else the Lakers plan to keep, you know, D'Angelo Russell, they're going to pick up uh, Malik Beasley's option. Are they going to, match a reasonably aggressive offer for Rui Hachimura. Like you start looking at 65 to 70 for Austin Reeves, I think maybe backloaded probably, but still nonetheless. Back, right. Backloaded, that could start becoming problematic for the Lakers. The flip side is I would be pretty surprised if Austin Reeves got more than 15 a year. I'd be surprised that's by that. 60. Maybe not so that's 60. I know, but I said sixty-five to seventy is where. Right. I would no, that's start. fair. Right. Sure. I would. I would be like Austin Reeves starts getting seventeen and a half a year. Would it shock me? No. Would it surprise me? Yes, because that's a lot of money off. I would say really a one-year sample size because the Austin played really well last year, but last year was easier to write off in a well. Somebody has to do something on that crappy team right and he only shot and, 30 like he only shot 32 percent from three so is this right. year the year that at 38 percent that is more indicative of what he is or was it last year when he was a 30 it was not a great three-point shooter at oklahoma no okay well actually this this gets into before before we even get into what i ultimately think austin has like as far as his, his trump card the ace in the hole with these eventual negotiations with the lakers what do you see as Austin Reeves' potential ceiling? Like, is he like a, a one-time all-star type potential, like that type of ceiling? Because, you know, his his per 36s since the all-star break, you know, his, his number since the all-star break, 13, just regular 27 minutes per game, 17 points per game, 58% from the field, 40.5 from behind the arc, Five assists against less than two turnovers, three rebounds, nearly seven trips to the line, 82%. He's got the fourth highest net rating on the team behind LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, D'Lo, then Reeves, then Anthony Davis. Per 36 numbers, which would be like just starters numbers, young starters numbers, 22 points per game, four rebounds, nearly seven assists against just two and a half turnovers, nearly nine trips to the line. Like those are really good numbers. So, do you see him as like a potential, like maybe one, two time trips to the All Star team, or a guy like Mike Conley, who until recently never made an All Star team, but you knew he was All Star caliber? Is he like Danny Green, a super high end, super in demand role player, but nobody you think of as an All Star? Like, wh where do you see his ceiling? Because I think in a lot of ways, that's going to determine the money you could get. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to think of the right comp. I don't think he's an all star. Okay. Um, 
I mean, if if you told me that Austin Reeves at some point would make a team, I mean, sure, it wouldn't. But like the the making an All Star team is brutally difficult. Yeah. Um, what I do think he is is sixth man. You know, you know, elite sixth man caliber. Um, very funk, you know, high end glue guy starter on a good team kind of thing. The other thing that helps Reeves is he has enormous value to good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he there are certain players who put up can kind of put up big numbers but will get swallowed up on good teams um, and their their value decreases. Um, I think his his need to be utilized as a scorer might go down in certain contexts, but his his skill set and connectivity and brain um, make him incredibly valuable on good teams. And I, so that opens up the market for him. Um, I think he is an elite. I think his high end is probably elite role player. Um, but in the NBA, that's worth between 15 and $22 million a year, depending on who you're talking about and, and when. And he's 24. So you can and sign what him you want a, from the role player. Right. And I, I think what helps Reeves too is like, look, it, would a poison pill contract where you go into the third year of that deal and you say paying Austin Reeves $21 million this year is kind of a bummer? Um, yeah, probably. But the flip side is the first two years of that where you're paying him 11, you'd be like, eh, probably getting three or $4 million of value out of this. It's also theoretical when you're trying to squeeze the absolute last bit of that juice from LeBron. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so right. at least at that point, the most what? expensive parts of Austin Reeves are theoretically when you're asking more of him because LeBron's not on the team anymore. And I think I think you can get more out of Reeves, and he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to get more confident. Um, I think you know if you're one of these people who believes that you know in the linkage between free throw shooting and three point shooting, you would certainly be encouraged by the fact that he is an excellent free throw shooter. Um, in terms of trying to decide, is this year's three point shooting performance? more of what you're going to be because 37 30 37 through 41 percent austin reeves probably is an 18 million dollar guy um 32 or 33 percent is not the the chances of feeling like you are wildly overpaying for reeves because he just sucks i think are really low and so like we talked about floor of like anthony davis performances the the floor for Austin Reeves, I think, is pretty high to the point that it, I, he'll never be like useless. Um, you know, not be one of these $17 million guys who plays like a $4 million guy. So like I think that helps him. Yes. Good, great example. Um, but here, okay, sp- staying with the Heat though, really quick before I get to the Trump card thing, like Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson would be the disastrous version of what we're talking about. What would be the very tricky version of it? And it's not apples to apples, and I swear it's not because I'm about to bring up another white player, but Tyler Hero. Like somebody that can be really, really useful, and in particular with Miami, with their structure, they really needed to have him. But when Tyler Hero doesn't play up to the greatest expectations for Tyler Hero, and I think it's been – Considered on balance, kind of a mixed. It's been a, it's been a been a disappointing season, right? Like then that contract, which otherwise wouldn't seem insane, and and hero hero makes more than I think Austin Reeves is ultimately going to end up making, but you want to make it closer to 
Danny Green feeling like when he's healthy, you know, Danny Green's best contracts when he was healthy, worth every penny versus Tyler Hero where it feels like there's a lot of swings. He starts next year, 23, 24, 27, 29, 31, 33. Yeah, I mean, or that's like, you know, the Jordan Poole money. Like Golden State, Golden State is not – they can't be feeling great about that Jordan Poole contract, which, yeah. again, is way more than I think Austin Reeves is going to get. Here, here's the thing, and I know you got one more point of this, so I'm not going to get deep into it. But And I, I will save this for tomorrow because I think this is – my biggest reaction to like, – would the is there a price point at which the Lakers would let him get away? Would they just sort of cheap out like they did against like – they did with Caruso? Um, is that – the way things are set up with the Lakers right now, if you don't bring one of these pieces back, you can't, still can't replace them. You almost have to bring everyone back or bring no one back. If you bring, if you re-sign Reeves, if you bring back Russell, if you do, you know, bring back Vanderbilt, you bring back Hachimura, but you let Beasley go, you're saving money, but you can't replace Beasley with, you know, not in any meaningful way. So, like that, th this is one of the things I want to talk about for for Wednesday's show. Is like the Reeves question is related to every other free agent that they have. They're all interconnected. Well, the the last thing I was going to bring up, and you you mentioning uh, letting Caruso walk over money, um, that was in a lot of ways the best thing that could have ever happened to Austin Reeves mm -hmm. because a Caruso not being there, one less guard equaled more immediate opportunity for Reeves right away. No question. But also, the optics of that decision alone could be worth a few extra mil for Austin Reeves because they can't, can't do that twice. allow him to leave. Like, especially <laughs> because Reeves, I think he's the better overall player. Like, Caruso, I think, is maybe better at his specialty, elite wing defense, than any one thing Reeves does. But Reeves is better at more things than Caruso. That is correct. I would agree. And, and I'm not saying, by the way, that they have no choice to bring him back after what happened with Caruso, but I will say that next undrafted rookie white boy better be really good. <laughs> <laughs> he better be real good. Like yeah. MVP candidate good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's a limited pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, the risk of stereotyping. You can only go that well rephrase. so many There's times. not a limited pool of plucky white guys out there. No, that good, though. That good is the problem. That plucky. Good. Okay, you can find pluck. Mm -hmm. um, of any color, you can find pluck. Sure. Good is, is, is a bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I completely agree with you. Um, it, it is fascinating. So we'll talk more about this for uh, for Wednesday's show. Get you ready for the the Phoenix game Wednesday night. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and uh, engage with us, engage with uh, other fans. And you know, like I said, Andy used a comment from TK earlier in the show. We love to wrap that stuff in there, uh, particularly when you guys you know kind of extend the conversations in ways that we didn't think about. So um, appreciate that. We'll see everybody on Wednesday.